You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. Hey, you're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. Today is Friday, and on Fridays we're now launching a new show, what we're calling Marriage in Real Life. It's going to be here with Deacon Basil, that would be me, and my lovely (laughs) wife, the Diaconisa, which just means in the Eastern Church, the deacon's wife, or the Pawnee, which is the uh, deacon or priest's wife. That would be my wife, Brittany. Hi. So what we want to do with uh, today is kind of describe a little bit about what Marriage in Real Life on Fridays is going to be all about, mm-hmm. uh, and then also uh, kind of get through and, and move through some of the questions and some of the things that we've learned in our extensive experience with marriage. Yes, we're, we're experts now. We've been married a whole, what, like almost seven years? Almost seven years, yeah. We've been married for almost seven years. So that's and, like and, a... And I'm a, I'm a therapist and a deacon. And a cleric. And a so. cleric. So basically what that means is I know everything, and you lowly lay people need to learn from me. <laughs> no, um... I think, we, I think the one thing that, that I want to kind of say here is that we don't have the answers to everything. Uh, I am not arrogant enough to think that I know everything. Every marriage is different, and just because our marriage is a certain way mm-hmm. does not mean that everybody out there is going to be the same. Um, and I think really the if there's questions about you know personal issues within your marriage... Um, that need professional help, you know, you, you really do need to seek that from a licensed marriage or family therapist or a licensed professional counselor that has advanced training in couples work. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm just talking, which is great, you know, um, for me to just kind of <laughs> railroad the conversation. This is how, you know, things in our relationship any, work. I don't have anything to say yet. Yeah. I think the other thing is, is that our marriage is unique insofar as you're married to a therapist. God bless you. You're married to a therapist. That's a unique I don't, experience. I don't know how that is, though, because then you usually come home after listening to everyone else's problems, and then yeah, I dump I all am, my problems on you. Right, and I am done. And you're done. I am done with people's problems. Yeah, That's I know. not true. No. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, it's a clerical family. It's a clerical marriage. And so, you know, I'm oh, deacon. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think there is kind of a unique aspect to that and something that is really not discussed. I, at all. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, there is a little bit of discussion in the East because we've always had married priests, mm-hmm. we've always had married deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something that has just not been discussed very regularly within the Roman Church. That doesn't mean it's not ever discussed, but right, it's, it's not right. regularly discussed. Mm-hmm. So I think I think something like this might. You just hit the mic. Sorry, I hit my ankle, but I didn't cuss. So you didn't cuss. Win win. Actually, we just edited out that that tirade of nasty words that you said. But besides that. Um, <laughs> So what we'd like to do is start with one of my favorite interventions that um, I do in couples counseling all the time. And what this one is called is it's from the, the, from the John and Julie Gottman, primarily the Gottman Institute, which is um, the type of therapy that I do with couples, the Gottman method. And one of those things is the concept of love maps. Now, the thing about love maps is the way in which I describe them it, in therapy. It means you love maps. So I love you... maps. I'm, I'm a, a, yeah, I love like paper and, and maps. We draw, we draw the, maps. What is, the, what is the fancy word? I, it's late, so I can't... It's not calligraphy. No. Oh, where is... Carto- cartography. Yes, yes. I've got it. In your face, I've got the word. Yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> like, these people are nuts. Um, no, the idea of a love map is, do you know the other person's interior life? 
And I actually do a self-disclosure usually with clients in this situation. I say, I know exactly what to say to emotionally destroy my wife if I wanted to. And I know exactly uh-huh. what to say to emotionally build her back up. And that doesn't mean that it's something that I, I use on a regular basis, but I know what's going on. Yeah, in let's my wife's let's life. clarify. He doesn't pull out the things to emotionally destroy me. Right. I um, try and avoid but... them, and, and that's why I need to know when to <laughs> exactly. Avoid them. That's why that's why it's good to know those things that you know to avoid them, right. not not so that you can like pull them out when you're really upset. And and I think the purpose of this is also the most important thing that I think of in in couples counseling, is that it's this principle. And you wrote this down on the outline because you are kind of focused on these kind of things and, and mm-hmm. need an outline for this, but um, <laughs> I've never seen an outline for our podcasts before, but um, the, uh, the, the, the number two point here is that it's not so important what I think of my marriage. It's more important what I think my partner thinks of the marriage mm-hmm. because I might think the marriage is great and my wife might think the um, marriage is great, but I might think that my wife thinks that the marriage is terrible. Mm, I need then, like a flow chart. I was actually talking right, with right. a client about this. Actually, of, you know, I talk with clients about this on a regular basis. I always say, I need a flow chart. I really need to come up with that. Well, but it's not so much what I think, it's what I think you think of the marriage. Right, right, right. Well, and yes. I've, there have been times where it's just ruined me because I'll think like, um, you have maybe like your typical like RBF going on, resting face um or you've had a hard day that's called a slavic pole face like how (laughs) that's it is a racial comment there dear (laughs) or you know you've come home from a hard day or whatever and i am thinking to myself um oh i didn't i didn't get this little thing done around the house and so automatically i'll attribute your emotional state to me not getting this little thing done that I think maybe you expected me to get done. And then it becomes this snowball effect of, oh my gosh, he's always asking me to do everything and he doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't think that I'm doing enough in the marriage. And it and it is me just thinking about what do you think about the marriage and making up this whole long story. And once I've made up that story, I hate you because you're such a jerk because you don't appreciate me. You don't appreciate the little things I do. And then I come to find out that you have that face on just because you're tired or that's your face or that <laughs> or that you've had a hard day at work and it has nothing to do. You could care less that I didn't get the dishes done. Okay, um, but the dishes are not a little thing in this okay, house, just okay, for the we record. Don't, that's another podcast. Oh, we don't a need whole to talk other about that. Okay, no. But I think you're right. I think right. you're right. And so if I think the marriage is great and I think that you think that the marriage is bad, mm-hmm. Whether you think that it or not, I'm going to live in such a way, Mm -hmm. I'm going to act in such a way that is going to make the, that, that, as if you do think the marriage is bad. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really kind of an interesting, an interesting loop to loop, Mm -hmm. as, as our daughter might put it, um, in the way in which we, we've really had to start thinking about these things. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's not so much me, it's what I think you think. Mm -hmm. And in that, it's not so important that I know every little. This is this is weird to say. Right, right. But it's not so right. important that I know every little detail of it. Mm-hmm. But it's that you know that I know every little detail of your interior life that's important. It's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that I have mm-hmm. an accurate love map uh-huh. of you uh-huh. that's important. And so uh-huh. what we do in them, and they're sometimes really kind of asinine questions 
you know, but these are these questions on this this love map. And we, we used to have these great card decks that we used to hand out to couples. Oh, yeah, like we the said, regular cards. The regular cards. Mm -hmm. and, and they would have these questions on them. And we would hand them out and we would get half of them back the next week. And we would hand them <laughs> out again and we would get a quarter of them back. And it would just slowly diminish it. So what the Gottman Institute did brilliantly is they made an app. Um, which I think is very, very cheap. Mm -hmm. You can get the entire um, sort of Gottman card deck uh, system. Did I pay for, for this? I think you had to have. I paid for like... They, they made them all into one big app. They used oh, to be okay. each individual app that you would pay like $3 a pop for. And is, Gottman really gonna, is Gottman going to pay us for advertising their app on No, the they'll probably sue us for using their questions. Uh, uh, I'm gonna slightly alter. I'm gonna slightly alter these. Twenty percent. Twenty percent alter. Right. Um, right. So one of the questions might be, um, what what is one dear? Okay. Well, this first one. This is so great because now you all are going to be part of our love map. You're going to know a little part of Deacon Basil's and and Brittany's love maps here. So. Um, Weird. Kumbaya. Okay, anyway. Not. Okay. Weird. So this first one, dear. Um, so the question is phrased on the app. What is your partner's favorite romantic restaurant? Okay, so now the purpose would be for me to answer that for you and you to confirm whether I'm right or not. Yes. So and you... so the one that I would say, mm -hmm. your favorite romantic restaurant mm -hmm. is, uh, well, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, it just closed down and now it's in a totally trendy new restaurant that is, I probably will never, dart, my shadow will never dart it. <laughs> um, but the original one was the Village Cork which is just down by our church. Um, and it was, I mean, very romantic. I have a second child thanks to the village court. No, never mind. Um, <laughs> it is a very romantic, wonderful place. Um, you have a second child thanks to PBS Kids. Oh, moving on. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> sorry. But I think, is that maybe one of your most favorite, one, one of your favorite romantic restaurants? Abs yeah, actually, that was the first thing in my head. But is it narcissistic to say that I was going to, yeah. Well, wait. Yes, that is the right answer. It probably now I is have to narcissistic. Guess. Whatever you're about to say is probably narcissistic. <laughs> I going to guess the same restaurant for you, though. I think that's probably accurate. Awesome. Look at us. We're... We don't exactly go out on romantic dates. I mean, Noodles and Company and a walk is about as, <laughs> as cool of a, cool of a uh, date that we go on. Fun, fun basis, trivia. But... That was our first date was yeah, Noodles it was. and Company and a walk. Yeah. Aww. 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 Oh man, Deacon Basil's so romantic. Next question. Such a stud. Such a stud. Deacon Basil, M.A. Yeah, moving on. Anyway. Nope. Sorry, I'm trying to find good questions. So some of these aren't necessarily appropriate to be sharing in a podcast. And not only that, some of them are really not intense. You know, some of them are just really um, mundane, like, um, what is your partner's favorite... Uh, animal. What's your partner's your... favorite animal? Right. Some of them are very mundane, and sometimes people are like, well, I don't care. But that's kind of a statement of like, well, I just don't care what my partner's interior mm -hmm. life really is. That's true. So even these mundane things, those build for bigger things mm -hmm. in the long run. Mm -hmm. So what is your partner's favorite animal? I think you should go first this time. I... <laughs> I think I know your favorite animal. Go ahead. I think your favorite animal is a wallaby. And I think you want a pet wallaby really bad. I, uh, yes. Some people have, uh, we haven't actually said this yet on the podcast. Oh, we haven't. Yes, this um, is the first. But Nigel the therapy wallaby. Nigel the therapy wallaby. Um, I just have this vision of doing, um, you know, Cherie does canine therapy in the practice. 
I have marsupial therapy in mind. <laughs> where, I mean, think about it. You come in to talk about your, your depression and all of a sudden Nigel, who happens to be wearing a sweater vest, the yes. little wallaby comes yeah. and hops on your lap and wants to cuddle with you. Aww. Right. That's really cute. Right. No more depression. Right. No. Problem solved. No more. That's not true, but you know, it sounds good. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. Actually, our, uh, our, our theme song um, was written and it's called uh, Nigel's Morning Hop. And if you listen to it, it sounds kind of like a wallaby hopping. That was what it was written specifically for us. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, you have to answer. You have to answer mine. So I think... I don't know if it's your favorite, mm-hmm. but one that you, uh, one animal that you really like is uh, whales. Yes, I do. Um, and I know this because we went out for our honeymoon out to Santa Barbara <laughs> and to watch the whales migrate, um, which just for the record, I thought was the nerdiest thing and it was so cute back in the day. So. Oh, that's when we were all cute. That was when we were young and not parents and could do things like go to Santa Barbara <laughs> to watch the bloody whales. <sighs> Uh, actually, but we saw no whales. We saw we only saw dolphins. But that we was saw really whales cool. the, 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 second the second time. time. Yeah, the we went out. We've we gone out whales. twice. Because um, yeah, we are that nerdy. Uh. <laughs> it's it's more or less. I am that nerdy, and Deacon Basil acquiesces my nerdiness. Yeah, I'm nerdy in other ways. What's the next question? Maybe the last one. one um, I'm trying to find one that's a little less mundane. See if. Give him a taste of. Oh, mm, do we have favorite poets? Who is your partner's favorite poet? Who is your partner's favorite author? Maybe we could. I don't know. Okay. Do you have a favorite poet? Um. Do I have a favorite poet? Yours is probably like very mundane, like Jack Frost. No. Cause you're basic. <laughs> I like pumpkin spice. I put my hair in a top knot and I wear yoga pants. Yeah, and you sit there and you read, <laughs> Two roads diverge in a wood. No, no, I am not a Jack Frost woman. But no offense to anyone who is. We love you. Yeah, but you're basic. No. <laughs> um, your favorite poet. Jeez. I don't, don't know. don't know me. I always wonder what happens in what situations about, like, like this when the other person has absolutely no idea what it is. Like, Wasn't there like a John from the desert that you like to Carmelite John? It's been so long since I've been Roman. John of the Cross? John of the Cross. <laughs> from Spain? Yes. Sorry. I don't know why I said desert. I was mixing up with Vagrius and John of the Cross. And all. Yeah, they have everything in common. I don't know. <clears throat> it's no. late. I have kids. <laughs> you have kids. <laughs> No, I, I would I would say that I uh, I was really taken in undergrad, and it's kind of cliche now because everybody was taken in undergrad by it by it. Um, but I, I studied um, British literature because you're basic. Because I'm basic. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, um, in in undergrad, I studied British literature, um, and so I was really taken by John Donne. Um, oh, that's right! I knew there was another John. I just can't remember who. Yeah, but he wasn't from the desert either. I know. Oh, okay. I know. But you told me about John Dunn, and I was like, no, no, no. He'd probably pick the other guy over, the one John over the other John. And I couldn't remember which John was which. (laughs) See, so you can be married for a long time, and a therapist, and a deacon, and and the wife of such a man, and still not quite have these love maps. Well, and the thing is, is that they they change over time. Yes, yes they do. You know, um... I am not the same person I was seven years ago when we got no. married. Mm-mm. And thank God. Right. I mean, I was not a mature person. I was a, I was a kid 
who needed to grow up in a lot of ways. Well, and so was I. I mean, yeah. that's what... <laughs> was? No. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's one of the great things about it is that all of those questions are kind of mundane. Mm-hmm. For example, what's your most romantic, what's your favorite most romantic restaurant? Um, at one point, I would have said that restaurant um, on the beach of Santa Barbara, um, which I can't <gasps> oh, even remember yeah. the name of it, which wasn't an overly romantic restaurant, but we the always of, went there in romantic The one periods. with the Jody guy. The one with the Jody guy. Do you remember that? That was hilarious. No. <laughs> Sorry. Story for another time. But see, it does change over time. And maybe that one is now your favorite now that I reminded you of it. But those things over time yeah, represent no, exactly. a change in the way exactly. in which, the, in which mm-hmm. it happens. I think sometimes mm-hmm. over years and years and years, mm-hmm. when couples tell me that they've grown apart, mm-hmm. what I'm really hearing in those situations is that their love maps changed and we're not updated. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the, what were some of the things that um, you thought were stuff that we've learned in the last, excuse me, se- in, what were some of the things that we've learned over the last seven years of our marriage? About um, marriage. About marriage. Well, we talked about um, it's, it's important what you think the other person thinks. And... Let's see. We had wanted one of the things we talked about is that you you get this impression sometimes that marriage is going to be the best thing ever or it's going to be the worst thing ever. And we right. talked about this a little bit in the couples podcast, but we wanted to elaborate a little bit more here. Um, that what what we've learned about marriage is that a lot of times marriage really is the best thing that you'll experience. And then a lot of times, even in a good marriage, I'd say, you know, we have a, a really, um, by by all like accounts and assessments, a really healthy marriage, but it's a real challenge sometimes. It's really difficult sometimes. And Basil is a good man. Yeah. And you don't do the dishes. And let's talk about the laundry right now. Ooh, let's talk about yeah, who promised to do the laundry. You went there. I did. Ooh. I did. No, um, no but, but I think the point is, is that in certain seasons, our marriage has been the thing that has given, mm-hmm. at least for me, the most life. And uh-huh. I mean, I, I would honestly say at this point in our marriage, at this exact moment, uh-huh. it is the one thing that is the animating factor of my life. Yeah. It is an incredibly mm-hmm. important thing, but I'm not naive enough to think that that's going to be the case every minute of every day for the next mm-hmm. 10 to 20 mm-hmm. years to 30 years to 40 years to, right. you know, however long that's going to be. There is this sort of waxing and waning mm-hmm. that takes place in everybody's marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think sometimes there's this fear when things move from being this absolute wonderful experience to a less wonderful experience. Uh-huh. There's this fear that mm-hmm. everything's falling apart and we're, uh-huh. not, we're doomed. Well, and I think especially when you haven't been married for that long and that's sort of your first experience yeah. of, of that feeling, then, um, yeah, it, it feels it feels a little dooming. Um but after you realize, and that's hopefully why we're communicating this um, to anybody out there who is a little newer in marriage, you realize that it, it's not doom and gloom. It's just the normal waxing and waning. Like, I think one of our most difficult times, at least for me, was after our first child was born. Yeah. That was such a huge change. And um, it it affected our marriage quite a bit. And I don't, I mean, I don't think we ever were in a, in a situation where we were close to divorce or anything like that, but it was very difficult. 
a lot of times. And I think the thing is, though, we, we put in the effort. We persevered through those difficult times. And as difficult as it was to do the right thing and to make the right choices in those circumstances, I think for the most part, we tried to do that. And that's why we were able to move on to the new, another season of a better time. Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely the case. And sometimes professional help in those situations can be very, very oh, absolutely. important and absolutely. very, very helpful. Um, I think there is this tendency to look at marriage as like either, you know, in those low points to be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we're just going to take it for granted that it's going to get better. I think that, uh-huh, that is a mistake. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, well, no matter what, we're going to be doomed. So why even worry about it? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, we talked about it in that, in that couple's podcast where it's mm-hmm. like marriage therapy shouldn't be punitive. Right. You know, where it's right. like, oh, you're in trouble. I sometimes, you know, uh-huh. feel, feel like that's uh-huh. the, the way it's seen out in the world. Oh, you're in trouble. Uh-huh. And so you have to go to therapy. Or, or it's what? Like, no, it's not it at all. I have never believed, and I'm not saying that this is never the case, because I do think there are situations mm-hmm. where it is, but I've never seen in therapy where it's 100% one person's fault mm-hmm. and not the other person's fault mm-hmm. in any way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it exists, mm-hmm. but I, I, I've just never seen it. And I mm-hmm. think, I think, you know... If it were the case that it was 100, 100% one person's fault, Mm -hmm. then, you know, they wouldn't be in therapy in the first place. Uh There'd be nothing to talk Uh about. Uh Um, So I think, I think there is, you know, something really there. Um, This ebb and flow does not mean that we should fall into Acadia, you know. Oh, you like Acadia. I like Acadia. It's actually my favorite um, because (laughs) it's what I have the most experience with. But um, basically we shouldn't fall into Acadia when it's really high. Um, when we're really high, I'm sorry, it's a Colorado thing. Colorado. Uh, no, um, when you're, when you're in those really high points, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't fall and just be like, Hey, things are going to be fine. And I just Uh need to, you know, everything Uh is a okay at Uh all times. and I don't have to worry about it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. In the flip side, you can fall into despair very quickly with those low times. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something that we need to kind of keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These are Mm -hmm. normal, but we can't become lax. Uh-huh. in either one uh-huh. and I think that is one of the big temptations in marriage is we get comfortable uh-huh. we get comfortable in it and we're like yeah. oh okay well everything's going to be this way forever yeah oh no I would say that's that's a huge one we didn't talk about this before but you're right the the comfort getting comfortable and then suddenly that becomes complacency yeah so well we had three points here the last one is uh, <laughs> make time for fun and I think I, 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 in the Gottman trainings that mm-hmm. I went through when I was doing the Gottman, uh, being trained in the Gottman method, um, he has this real funny thing where he's like, part of my job is bringing fun back into people's lives. Mm-hmm. And those of you that have ever seen Gottman talk, when he says something he thinks is very witty, he has that kind of face, like that kind of like, <laughs> I'm so smart with that statement. And, but I actually think that's really, that's really true. There's this concept Mm-hmm. within marriage, uh, within the Gottman method. But it, it, it's not just the Gottman method. It's in all marriage con- uh, marriage things. But it, it is called negative sentiment override. And mm-hmm. what that is, is mm-hmm. things have been so negative within the marriage for so long that, we, that you start to see everything through the lens of negativity. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
out in the world, someone described this to me once as being like, he did everything right. And it pissed me off so bad, <laughs> right? And it's because everything they were that seeing... Was, that was me to you when, when I was pregnant. Well, that yeah. Well, yeah. that's a whole other story. That's uh, yeah. But it was it, the concept there that is being said is that everything can be going like mm-hmm. the person can be doing everything right, but you've been so things have been so negative for so long mm-hmm. that it's actually counterintuitive mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. way in which um, the the relationship is is uh, helpful. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to fun, then even people seeking fun mm-hmm. is not going to fix everything. You know, I think some couples That's think, true. oh, well, true. we can just fix our marriage by going on vacation. Oh, yeah. But if you're in that state of negative sentiment override, the vacation is actually mm-hmm. going to be a negative experience. It might right, look right. great. It might even be a little bit of fun, mm-hmm. but it can actually just harm the underlying relationship all the more. That's true. Okay, well, in defense, I wrote this down because I did think people should make time for fun, but not in the way you're saying. But <laughs> No, uh, I, I... Not to... I... I think it's a both end, mm-hmm. you know, because the flip side is, and I think what you're emphasizing here is that it's more than just simply um, sit there and be really stoic in the marriage well, at all times. Well, and we make it this really serious thing, I think, as Catholics, because, mar- I mean, marriage is, it's a beautiful vocation. Yeah. Um, but you go around and you see these really lofty quotes, like I forgot the one that gets memed a lot about, like, the love between a man and a woman in marriage is what will conquer the devil. Um, and and in some regards, that's true. Yeah, that absolutely. might be absolutely true. That, but um, is I think I think the the meme makes some extreme point about like it, it is the um, one thing that will conquer the devil or something like that. And, and it's like, okay, yes it is. But like, calm down. Marriage is also this human experience as well. Like, I I guess we can't focus so much on the serious lofty, um, purpose of marriage that we forget that along the way you are supposed to have fun. You are supposed to have leisure. You are supposed to laugh together. Um, and, and not just over, um, you know, uh, like G.K. Chesterton quotes. You're supposed to laugh together over, <laughs> like, stupid movies and, right. and things like that. There, um, there, is a, there can be, and I'm not accusing anyone here, but I think there can be, a, what, what you're getting at is that there can be a restriction of human experience mm-hmm. to um, this really focused stoicism. Mm-hmm. I think stoicism has infiltrated the Catholic Church in a big way mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Uh-huh. <laughs> Augustine. Uh-huh. Um, no, um, <laughs> I think it's been something that has really like infiltrated the Catholic Church in a big way mm-hmm. and has um, really kind of made this bizarre approach, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, the way in which we view the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so so for example, the bedroom has to be a liturgical style act right right where you know with the seriousness of a high mass yeah instead of being like well have a little bit of fun right there there should be there should be fun and and i think um you know just to be honest i think we've talked about like that's one area where i have really struggled because i think the messages that i received in my sort of like young adult formed being seriously formed as a good Catholic days, um, were these very sort of serious messages about marriage and spirituality and, and about the marital act and everything. Um, 
where it was a very, like you said, it was just a stoic concept. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying is I'm saying this all from the experience of living in that idea and then struggling and realizing and embracing the fact that, um, that fun is godly as well, that it is okay to be human. We don't need to fight our human nature to, to be angelic or to be whatever this sort of made up ideal is that we're supposed to be. God made us human. Um, and therefore there are certain human aspects that, that we can live and live happily and joyfully and still be good, holy people. Yeah. 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 I think the church is terrified about, I mean, not the church, but like, I think Mm -hmm. certain people within the church is terrified about, about that. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's a tragedy because it leaves, um, it leaves kind of a negative worldview on things. Um, it can, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where everything is got to be so serious in every little aspect of it. And, it's exhausting. And people, and people leave the church over that. Uh-huh. And I understand. Uh-huh. I yeah. Understand. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, we've got just a few more minutes, but um, mm-hmm. I want to jump to just one that I hadn't discussed with you at all. <gasps> um, and this one, because <laughs> it's I, not on the it's outline. It's not on the outline. <laughs> Have a little fun, dear. No. Oh, yeah, no. Which one of us has the problem with fun here? (laughs) The one thing that I think is so... um, The one thing that I wanted to say that was probably the most controversial thing that I say on a regular basis in couples counseling or marriage therapy Mm -hmm. is that I don't believe that communication is the most important thing in a marriage. (gasps) What? I hear to the person... Uh Uh-huh. When I talk about what is important about marriage out in the church, mm-hmm. it is communication, communication, communication. Mm-hmm. I'm, I guarantee you that if you go to any um, talk on marriage, it's going to be about a communication style. If styles. you can talk about mucus, you if can you, talk about anything. Yeah. <laughs> and communication, ironically, is not the most important thing. We spent 40 years in couples counseling getting couples to be able to communicate perfectly. Uh-huh. What their interior were, uh, interior lives were to the other person, and what mm-hmm. we found out is that all we were doing is helping couples communicate how much they hated each other. The yeah. most the, exactly. <laughs> the research on this one backs me up big time. The most important thing within a couple within a marriage mm-hmm. is not communication. It's a, it is attachment, emotional attachment to the other person, commitment, oh, commitment, and love. So those three, those three are different. Those three are, Attachment. they're slightly different. I would put them all as uh-huh. what makes a good marriage. But those are more important. Mm-hmm. Communication styles don't matter if you hate the other person. And That's people hate each other, each other in marriage. Communication, <gasps> communication styles don't make a darn bit of difference. Mm-hmm. Your, your love language no. doesn't matter. <gasps> No. If no. you don't emotionally have an attachment to the other person. You have blasphemed Gary. You I have know. blasphemed Gary. I know. I know. <laughs> and ironically, the research has completely backed me up on this. Communication is very important. You mean you, you mean, need to be able to say, talk about who's going to take the trash out the next morning. You need to be able to talk about where wait, you're going to send your kids to high school. Are are you saying there are messages out there about marriage that are not backed up by research? Yeah, I said it. <laughs> but 
My point about this is that it is more important, it is more important to have a connection with that person, even if it can't be communicated in excruciating detail. Mm -hmm. Even if you can't communicate every little aspect of it, you need to have an emotional connection, mm -hmm. an emotional attachment. Mm -hmm. You need to have commitment and you need to have love. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And I think that's what really kind of shows beyond all of that. So I think that's one of the things that, that I would be really interested in going into detail within this podcast and discussing um, in detail. How do you, like as far as how do you build attachment, commitment, and love? Yeah, absolutely. How do we do that? Well, one of the really interesting things, I'll just drop this real uh -huh. quick here as a kind of teaser here mm -hmm. for moving forward. John Gottman says that, it's really funny, he, he has a video of him talking about this. He was once asked like in 30 seconds, uh -huh. what can I do? What's the one thing I can do to fix my marriage or, or help mm -hmm. my marriage or develop my marriage in a deeper way? And John turned to this guy and mm -hmm. he said, make your life, make your wife's dreams come true. Oh, but it's not, it's not, it's not cliche <laughs> in any way, shape or form. It's do the hard work of knowing the interior life of your spouse mm -hmm. and knowing how to make those dreams of a future come true in some mm -hmm. capacity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean unicorns and rainbows and a house in Santa Barbara where you can watch the, the, the whales. That might mean an incredible career. That might mean, you know, development in those ways. And I think that's where one, one perhaps place to start. At least that's the way I see it. But uh, tune in. Sounds, sounds like a good, good plan. Yeah. So tune in next week um, on, uh, on Friday at the Catholic Psyche Podcast on uh, marriage in real life. See you all next time. Bye.